All right, welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors, and if you want to find out more about that company, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. And today, my co-host is Brad Hoppy. I said today because I got used to that. I used to, sometimes I get used to tonight. Anyways, co-host is Brad Hoppy, Musky Mayhem Tackle. And if you want to know more or check out that company, check out MuskyMayhemTackle.com. And then Brad dragged in Jeff Schulte from Phantom Lures. Those two were hanging out today. Apparently, the whole Phantom Lures crew is hanging out at Brad's house. So, I mean, I guess Jeff's the guest today by default because, well, Brad and I are, I don't know, we either suck or we're too busy. And we, again, we didn't line up a guest. So, I thought Jeff did a great job last time. So, hopefully, you'll be able to handle it again, Jeff, because the pressure's on you now. I'll do my best. Thanks for the opportunity. So, Brad, let's talk a little bit about Muskie Mayhem Tackle. Why don't you roll, uh, you know, the 10-second infomercial on that thing and let, let us know what's up with Muskie Mayhem Tackle. Well, it's been busy, and I've been fishing, so put a lot of workload on my wife, I guess. But uh, you can check us out on muskymayhemtackle.com. We're the originators of the big flash blue bladed baits, and you can also check us out on both social media platforms as far as Instagram as well as Facebook. And if you're catching on our products out there, send us a pic. We'd love to share it. So good stuff. We appreciate everybody that's buying and, and uh, supporting us throughout uh, the 15 years we've been around. And you're listening to Backlash Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Overcast. I believe that covers it. Socially, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. If you're looking to have us cover a topic on a, on a podcast, or if you want us to get in touch with a certain guest, shoot us an email, backlashpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can also just shoot us a message on one of those social platforms. So as far as Team Rhino Outdoors goes, we're a retailer in the musky world who carries pretty much every major manufacturer that's out there. And typically we do the custom deal. That's kind of what we do. So that way you can find some stuff that aren't, uh, the fish aren't seeing every single day. If you want a black and nickel bucktail, you know, whether it be a showgirl, a cowgirl, we have that. Black and orange bulldogs, black and orange medusas, whole pile of standard colors from the Phantom Lures boys. You can find all that with TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. And new this week is our first custom color from Joe Booker Outdoors. I know Jeff's not super impressed by that, but it's a long time coming, like six years in the making. So it finally arrived. First one is here. Hopefully more to come soon. So anyways, enough of the uh, infomercial type stuff. That's not typically our deal. So guys, why don't we talk a little bit about fishing since we haven't we literally jumped on this conversation like two minutes ago. We have pretty much no plan. It's just a free-for-all. I figured that we've all been doing a little bit of fishing so far in the three weeks to a month or so that the season's opened up for us. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? I know, Brad, you want to talk a little bit about open water fishing and how that's kind of rolling to an end. So why don't you start there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if anybody's out there looking at the 10-day forecast, um, it's going to get hot. So, you know, we're sitting at 72 to 74 degree water temps right now. And as that thermocline starts to develop, uh, it's pretty much the end of the open water trolling for me. 
And the biggest reason for that is the safety of the fish. You start calling fish up from the deep um, where they're sitting right on that thermocline, a lot of times you can have issues. So definitely I turn it off at that point, and we're coming on that really soon, and it's normal to pretty much button that up by the first week of July. So, Brad, the one thing we had, I had a, I had a, I think I had an email this morning from a guy. I don't know that I ever replied back to him yet, but, and hopefully he listens to the podcast and he'll get his answer right now. But anyway, so that was kind of Brad's deal for the open water trolling, why he doesn't do them. He doesn't want to bring the fish up from the deep stuff. How about guys that are trolling in those lakes that aren't that deep, you know, where they're, the, the max depth in the lake is 30 feet. Is this still a, I mean, a fine time to target open water fish? Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, here's the deal. There's fish shallow as well right now. And one of the things that you got to think about is where you want to try to catch those fish. And when when you're fishing a shallower body of water, I mean, you control it all the time. Uh, I have deep water lakes near my place as well that never do develop a thermocline. And you could safely do that throughout the whole season. So those are things to be considerate of. Just got to think about that a little bit. Well, I only wanted to bring that up or reiterate it just because I didn't want guys to be like, hey, you guys talk about open water fishing a lot lately, but now you don't want us to go open water fishing. No, that's not the case. We just want you to do it safely. That's pretty much all it is. I know we've talked about in the past, last week or whatever, we just talked about safe fishing releases, handling, what have you. Something to be mindful of, especially as the water temperature pushes a little higher, which as Brad alluded to, based off the forecast that I can see in the Midwest, it's going to be much warmer in all of the areas that we're pretty much fishing very shortly. So the other thing too is to consider rivers. Rivers are always a good place to go. They typically have inflows of colder water, so that can definitely help extend your season if you're in an area where the water temperatures are pushing too high. Yeah, you're right, Jeff. I mean, you know, there's lots of things to consider when you're fishing like that. But, uh, you know, some of it too is I've been basically burning the candle from both ends fishing a lot of long hours and tons of time on the water. So I'm anxious to get out there and start casting as well. So doing the whole month of trolling, kind of coming to an end. I'm guessing that we'd probably have four or five more days, you know, going into July. But I am ready to shift gears, put it that way. Speaking of you and burning the candle at both ends, Carrie and I voted today. So if uh, we're going to try to work schedules around with guests and Brad, but because it's summertime, it's difficult sometimes for us to work schedules around a guest and Brad because Brad's guiding. Most of our guests are guiding. So we've decided, Brad, for now on that we're going to set up our times for podcasting so that we don't start too many of these at 9.53 as we are tonight. And then if you can be there, that's great. And if not, you're out. That's just how this is going to go. I hope I hope you, uh, I'm thinking Carrie didn't, didn't uh, bring you up to speed on that today, did she? No, I, I haven't really seen Carrie much over the last month. So once the Minnesota season started, I have been on the water. <laughs> Which is good. We want you on the water. That's great. I mean, I'm glad that you're there. But I think the ways of last year where we were doing too many podcasts at midnight, I just don't know that I'm going to be able to pull it off this year. Well, I won't, uh, I won't be the person to cause that, I guess. But uh, ultimately, you know, I... We can work around some of that schedule as well, but uh, that's just going to be a little bit of planning. And I know that uh, we're looking into the future here. We've got a bunch of different people on the list, so the listeners will hear some other stuff from other fishermen out there. Yes. Well, our 
I don't want to take anything away from Jeff because I really do like Jeff. He's a really good, really good guy. But I mean, I don't want to take, like I said, I don't want to take anything away from him. But Jeff wasn't our planned guest for today. He just happened to be staying at the Hoppy Compound along with pretty much everybody else in the world. You know, it's fishing season. So if we want to find a guest, typically all we got to do is just go dig up in one of the bedrooms around that place and find one. But anyways, we have a very long list of guests. I don't want anybody to think that we've run short of guests. We have a very long list of them. I continue to add to them daily. It's it's just a difficult time. Like, you know, like Carrie and I talked about today with Brad, his schedule and their guide scheduling and trying to keep up with baits and us packing orders and not getting to, you know, and actually getting to bed at some point. We're, we'll, we'll turn this around, but there will be guests in the future. Like I said, nothing to worry about. We're just trying to whip through these in a... That's, I would call this a difficult time uh, scheduling wise. It's been extraordinarily crazy around my household and Brad just told you it was around there too. I mean, things are still firing on all cylinders, which I'm super happy about, but it's just creating a few conflicts right now. So we'll work our way through that. Well, let's shift gears into basically what we've been doing and kind of what's kind of coming to a head here. You know, one of the neat things that uh, Jeff presents and one of the reasons that he was here, I had a couple of clients in the boat today, but in order to get more lines out there in the water, the Phantom Boys came up, helped me run lines, and we ran a bunch of Phantom Hexes. And how did that go? Uh, We had one short rip and actually basically lost it. It was uh, just a fish Pulling it out of the rocket launcher, fish came unpinned, and then otherwise we did get one on a 10-inch hex today. Rumor has it those baits are all right. Say, speaking of which, Jeff, so I had seen somewhere recently, I don't remember where I saw it, I'm in and out of Facebook occasionally, I'm not on it nearly as much as I used to be, and I had seen somewhere, somebody asking about like depth curves and dive charts on 10-inch hexes, is that something that you can shed a little bit of light onto as far as like... How much line do I need to let out with either no weight or if you're going to add weight to achieve certain depths? Is that something that you can help our listeners out with? Yeah, I would say the the three to one ratio is a pretty good kind of baseline. Um, you know, 100 foot on, on the 10 inch is going to get you down about 15 feet, 50 feet lands you at about 10. So those are the numbers that I kind of start with in my head and just fill in the blanks in between. I do need to get a dive chart. We don't run many assisted baits. When I say assisted, I mean adding snaps to it to get it down just because our fish aren't quite down there or we run that 100-foot lead if we have to get down there that far. But uh, rare is it that we go past that 50-foot mark. So we, we, I do need to get a depth curve on them. That 3-to-1 um, you know, kind of works in, for a lot of different baits, I guess, to give you at least a, a ballpark number. But yeah, my, my simple numbers are 100 foot, 15 on the 10, 50 foot, 10 feet. And then the 12 does run a little bit deeper. Um, so at 100 foot, that's going to be down in that 21 to 22 foot range for the guys that do want to touch that little bit deeper water. I know some of the guys on the lax have been doing um, a little bit deeper um, as of late. So um, those are kind of the baseline numbers. But like I said, I was hoping to get a, a depth curve. I actually sent them to the guys at Precision Trolling Data who do all the walleye crankbaits as they kind of wanted to get into some of the musky stuff. And I think it would be super beneficial to have, you know, really, really accurate depths on a whole lot of baits, not just ours, but, you know, there's a ton of crankbaits out there. And to be able to jump in an app and say, I'm going to kind of give them a free plug here, but boom, here it is. If I put out 30 feet, 
you know, this is what I get. If I put up 30 feet with, you know, eight ounces, this is what I get. So um, hopefully someday we'll get there. You know, it's, it can be kind of some of that trial and error too. I mean, that's how we find it. We set out our line and we run over a sandbar that we know tops out at 15 until we hit. And that's where we, that's where we land. So. And then Jeff, how about like a seven and a half inch hex? Is that similar to? Yeah. Seven and a half and the 10 inch almost run um, toe to toe. They're almost the exact same. So again, that hundred foot, 15 foot mark, um, 50 foot, 10 foot. Um, they're really super close. So I just kind of use the same same zone in my head uh, for those two baits. I know I do know that that hexes can get, I don't say it's kind of wild, but it can run, it can have that walk a pretty hardcore on it. So I had seen a, I had not only I had seen, I had actually videotaped it myself. It's on our YouTube channel. Jason Quintano talks a little bit about how to settle that walk down a little bit too. I, I don't remember which video it was. One of the St. Clair videos we did for anybody that wants to check that out. I think you add a little, I think he's using a little bit of weight to the front hook. Is that right? The front hook hanger. Is that what he did, Jeff? Do you remember? Has yeah, you, can do, you can do weight front and that helps settle it down. You can add some drag to the back. So if you put a little grub on the back or, you know, we've had guys tie tinsel on there to kind of add more drag and that, that pulls that bait more in line, so to speak. You know, when we designed it, we were really targeting that 3.2 to 3.4 mile an hour range that, that I tend to use. And I think that kind of stays close to, you know, those guys out on St. Clair, they're, they're definitely pulling them. They're going faster than that. So it, they want it to be a little bit more settled down so that at that four or four and a half speed, um, they're not getting too wild. So yeah, you can add weight to that, that front hook, um, add some drag to the back hook. You know, I'll beef up my hooks in, in that situation. If we're going fast, I'll, I'll go to like a 7-aught must-add. They come with 5 aughts. Um So there's a little bit more added weight there um, that kind of balances out. But, yeah, between those two things, weight in the front, drag on the rear end, um, that does help it settle down a little bit. I don't want to make it sound like that's a bad thing, that, it's a, that it can be kind of wild. But, you know, some people, like on certain days, muskies are, they want it a little more tame. So that's uh it makes the bait a little bit more versatile if you know that little trick. For sure. No, and I mean, we've had guys casting. I mean, really, when we when we kind of went through the design process and deciding what do we like, how it runs, you know, that, that's where we settled on it. At this speed, we want it running like this. For the casting guys on an average retrieve, it's got great walk and wander. It's not too wild. They don't have to burn it in to get it to, to walk and wander. So every bait has its wheelhouse, so to speak. And yeah, figuring out a way to adapt it your situation if you want to go faster okay how do i get this to run the way i want it to i mean that's the beauty of, of really tuning in any bait i don't know of anyone that's perfect at, at every speed but you know that's that's kind of how we are able to settle ours down a bit on a different topic jeff what I, what brad and i really want to know is are you guys paying keys extra money just so he throws only phantoms because that's pretty much <laughs> all he's catching fish on these days like what's the deal I have a feeling he's going to call and maybe ask for more money this year. Um, you know, we were super blessed last year. It was just a really good glide bait year. Uh, the fish just bit them, you know, and maybe, I mean, as I look at the industry, it seems like things kind of cycle through, you know, top water, super, super hot for a couple of years and then it kind of wanes and then it comes back and, you know, glide baits were used by everybody. And it, it it's the same, you know, people say, oh, I catch 90% of my fish on bucktails. Well, it's because you throw them 90% of the time. Of course you're going to catch on that. It's a confidence thing. And guys are gaining that confidence back in, in the gliders. And, 
you know, I know Mike has a ton of confidence in him. We've, we've helped put fish in the boat uh, down at Cave for his PMTT trip, and they got some really nice fish. They got some really nice fish this year on them, um, which I'm super, super stoked about. But, no, as far as paying him extra this year, not so much. But we'll see what he says uh, when it comes time to talk business. <laughs> Obviously, I'm just kidding, but it's... I mean, like you said, last year was really good, last filming season, so like the one that, that just aired over the winter of 2020. But even this filming season, Jeff has started off really strong. I mean, he's got some really nice fish, quality fish on, on film on Phantom Lures, so they've definitely been doing the trick. There's no doubt about it. Anybody that's, you know, if you don't have one in your arsenal, it's for, certainly something that you should look at. On Team Rhino has more colors than anyone, so check out that website. There's another plug. <laughs> yeah i know a little bit about that place in fact actually i think we just placed an order with you guys again tonight well and i mean i'm i we're busy i think a lot of people are busy you had mentioned you're busy but it's important to uh always make time to fish a little bit so that's why i snuck out today and tomorrow but then we're gonna get back at it and get that order filled that's good because i got baits i gotta sell it's been a it's been a fairly decent year so far selling fishing lures i don't know why i'm i'm I mean, I would have thought by now that everybody would have been done fishing. They would have just given it all up. I mean, everything else was canceled. They might as well cancel the fishing season too, right? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brad. That, that's for our sanity. Come on now. I know. I was just kidding. Is it for our sanity? Because sometimes I wonder. Like, I was just on a trip with Jensen, and my gosh, those fish make me nuts. Did you have a little incident, Jeff? Maybe. Did I hear about? <laughs> Maybe. Why don't you uh, fill us in on that? Nothing to talk about here. My tackle box may or may not end up in the water. I was just testing the durability, that's all. You're making a Lakewood uh, commercial, huh? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's all. I was just testing the durability. Turns out it works just fine. I mean, it's it's okay. It can handle it. It floats, too. <laughs> For those that don't know, take, take a look at, uh, was that on TROs or was that on the Backlash? No, that was on the Team Rhino Outdoors Facebook page and the Instagram page. There's a t picture there of a Lakewood floating through the water because, well, like a little six-year-old, I threw a little tantrum after our trip was just about over, and I tossed it in the water. I was done. So I pitched my suit. Well, I, I, gotta, I have to ask then, Jeff. I mean, did you guys do good? or I mean, <laughs> what happened there? Steve, Steve <laughs> caught some fish, you know. He... He caught a few fish, like the mini Medusa was working for him, and I just couldn't get them st stupid muskies to bite. They just wanted to follow stuff all day, so I got tired of it, and I, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not even going fishing anymore. I'm just going to sell fishing lures. Forget that fishing stuff. It's over. <laughs> well, as busy as it sounds you are, maybe you shouldn't fish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I should, because most days it is good for my sanity, but... I, I won't lie, it did play into my, uh, like, I was I was half tempted to go up north this past weekend to go musky fishing. With the 4th of July coming up this weekend, I assumed we'd go up north and take the pontoon boat out with the kids because they haven't been up north all year. And then uh, there probably wouldn't be a lot of musky fishing getting done this weekend. So I was going to go up this past weekend, but I was just irritated with everything musky-wise. And I stayed home and worked in the shop for... I don't even know how many hours this weekend. I'm guessing it was probably close to 30 over the Saturday and Sunday, which was plenty. Yeah, that, that's plenty. That's for sure. 
Well, we keep getting, you know, we've been doing our best to try to keep things stocked. We've been doing our best to continue to add new colors and cool stuff to the website. So sometimes I get a little backed up and I had to, I had to get some stuff taken care of. I had to check a big musky mayhem tackle order in. So if you're looking for musky mayhem tackle, not only can you find it through Brad and Carrie, but you can find it through us now too. It feels good though. I actually got a little bit caught up. The shop isn't a complete disaster. Things are looking up. So we're, you know, we're in good shape. Hopefully I'll get through this 4th of July weekend. And oddly enough, I'm actually hoping for a cold front in about nine days because much like everybody else, I mean, I would prefer the water temperatures be in the seventies than they are the upper seventies. Yeah. Hands down. It seems early for that, but, uh, we did have some rain overnight and I'd say it dropped about a degree, maybe two degrees. You know, we were supposed to have a heat index today of a hundred degrees and I don't know, what did it hit, Jeff? It didn't feel like, yeah, in the middle <laughs> 70s at best. It stayed really dense clouds and stayed cool, and I don't know. It was a way different day than I thought it was going to be. I thought for sure we'd be out there cooking. Yeah, I know how that goes. I'm a, I'm actually going to root for the high heat index coming Friday, Saturday, and Sunday so I can go out in the water and just go swimming and hang out with the kids. I haven't done a lot of that. It's been... I almost feel a little bit bad for them. Not that they don't get to hang out because we're we're still doing some stuff, but they've been in the shop a lot lately. My two daughters help me almost every day. Although grandma and grandpa seem to want to come over and steal them. So that's good and bad, I guess. They get to go hang out with grandma and grandpa and they like that, but I like them when they're there to help. Well, I understand that. Having the family involved is always important, but uh, yeah, you need to find some of that uh, family time as well, Jeff. It's tough. It is. It's a balancing act. We'll get caught up on some of that this weekend. I know that. Dog probably wants to go swimming, too. He loves the water. I'm sure he's ready to go. So what were you guys doing over there fishing-wise? Doing some casting, obviously, it sounds like. Well, in typical Steve fashion, he always has a bucktail bite going right before I come over. Like, literally, the day before he got, I don't remember what it was, two, three... Lost another one on Bucktails. Jensen Sucker Showgirl, for anybody that cares. Of course, that's all Steve throws is Jensen Sucker. Anyways, and so he had a Bucktail bite going. And sure, I could get him to follow Bucktails, but I couldn't get him to eat Bucktails. So, of course, we had to switch it up for day two because that's just how it is when I go visit Steve. He'll be on a really solid pattern, and then when I come over, I can kill that pattern really, really fast. Like bucktail pattern, yeah, I can shut it down every year. That's happened two years and three years in a row now. I think I've done it. A couple of years ago, it was last year. I think it was junior cowgirls we were doing really well on, or he was doing well on. When I get over there, we can't move fish on a bucktail at all. We got to break out glide baits, which is good for Jeff, not so good for me. And um, so that's kind of what was going on. That's the pattern. It's it's still, you know, most of those fish are still hanging over weed flats yet for the ones that we saw you know like if you're uh, typically if the if the weed you know in and in and around weeds not necessarily pushed to the edge yet is where we were finding them and we found you know a number of fish same thing you know i think it was what was it two weeks ago three weeks ago i think same deal we were with jeff van remortal up in northern wisconsin same kind of deal in and around weeds muskies all over the place course i couldn't get them to eat and when they did eat they missed or when and i was with andy from infamous musky tackle and 
when he would lose them we had one that was like the craziest thing ever the fish came up it thought it ate the bait it didn't eat the bait it's shaking its head around like the bait's in its mouth but there's nothing in its mouth it's just literally at the boat shaking around so kind of strange different stuff but i mean nothing out of the ordinary brad as far as like the pattern's concerned it's the fish are where you'd think they'd be right now yeah hands down like i said you know shifting gears into the casting platform for me anyway I'm going to be looking for the new weed growth, and I've seen a bunch of it as I've tooled around the lakes. And man, I'll tell you, the, I, I said it maybe four or five weeks ago, probably I'd say that the, I thought the weed growth was slow and blah blah blah, but it's up. It's looking really good. There's some cabbage beds that are beautiful, so I'll be definitely searching some of that in the next week. Yeah, and that's for sure. That's for sure. The uh, weeds up in northern Wisconsin are much the same as what you said. They're they're looking good. Cabbage is looking good. I mean, everything's on on par, and the, you know, quite honestly, aside from the fact that it also doesn't seem to help that every time I go fishing that right now, like I'm always I'm always fishing bluebird high skies, and I'm always post frontal. It seems like I know the the time I went with Jeff Vanermortal, that was like super post frontal. Like I literally had a jacket on, and the the day previously it was you know 80 degrees. So, anyways, we've you know we. The weather has has not played a great factor, but we've still had opportunities despite the weather. But there's still a bunch of guys out there that are catching a bunch of muskies. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it, Brad. If you take a scroll on Facebook, seems like everybody I talked to or saw this past weekend was putting fish in the boat. So I'm sure that it's not everybody, but there's definitely fish being caught. Just because I suck and the ones that I do catch are small doesn't mean that fishing is terrible. I actually think from what I see or hear fishing's actually either you know slightly above average or good i don't know what do you think yeah it definitely sounds like there's a lot of fish being caught out there and the patterns are really kind of all over the planet really i know a bunch of different people that have been casting the open water and been very successful so you know it depends on the body of water and depending on what the guys are actually going after you know, it's really interesting watching different guys do different techniques, and pretty much all of them are catching fish. So definitely something to look at. I know that there was a, I think it was the Bemidji, or was it the Brainerd chapter, did a tournament like last weekend. I think there was only a couple fish, if if a couple. I think maybe one was registered. I'm not sure. But that one kind of blew my mind because I know other guys up in that area that were crushing fish as well. So it's really strange. You know, you, you got to think outside the box, do some different stuff. And I think those fish are available if you're willing to go after it. Yeah. Like I said, hopefully after the 4th of July deal, I mean, as you, you and I know, Brad, I mean, today I was talking to you to figure out what we were doing tonight. And I mean, I'm pounding boxes on wire in a house. And so I, I got a house that I'm working on right now, somewhat decent size house. So I should, once I finish that up, I'll actually slow down on the electrical side for a little bit. And then I'm hoping I can try to start playing in the open water casting deal myself, sneak up north for a day or so. I did that early season. I did that a little bit with my daughter. When I say early season, it's not like we're late season. We're only a month in. But when I say early season, that was like three weeks ago. I was able to sneak out, shoot up north, fish for a little bit, take a, take a little rest at the cabin overnight, and then get up in the morning, fish again, shoot back home, back to work. So hopefully I'll be able to get a little bit more of that in here pretty quick and test out some theories and i'm sure i'll be able to put a couple more 30 inches in the net i'm good for that solid well 
30 inches need love too, Jeff. Oh, I've been giving them love. Don't worry about that. Things are rock solid as far as me and the 30 inches go. I think 30 inches <laughs> might, might, I might be a little bit generous. It's probably like more like 28 and a half. All right. It's all good. You know, when you, when you put a fish in the boat, you just take that and you learn and keep it in your pocket. And guess what? Some of those 28s become 40s and 45. So you got to look at it that way as well. So, Brad, you got anything you want to talk about right now? Otherwise, I was going to look at a couple more questions we had from last week on Facebook. Somebody wanted to know about solo fishing, and I know we covered it on, I don't know which episode it was, Brad. We did cover it back in the day, but maybe since we got Jeff here, me, you, and Jeff, you want to talk about solo fishing for a little bit? Yeah, we, we sure can. Um, I'm not sure, you know, it's kind of a broad question, but I'm going to assume that people are wondering about photographs they're wondering about netting fish and things like that well here it is it says advice for fishing solo i spend a lot of time in the boat by myself and and i could get some tips on things i haven't thought of so i'm not exactly sure what what he has thought of i mean typically i think i said it before you know the one thing i always think of when i'm fishing solo is that's got to be out extended the I always make sure my release tools are really close to where I think I'm going to net the fish. That doesn't always work, but my boat's kind of small too. So I I want to make sure that the release tools are really close to me just in case the odd thing happens where you get a hook in your hand and you're attached to the muskie yet that you can cut that quickly because obviously there's nobody there necessarily to help you out. Although with the pressure that we've seen on lakes this year, there's probably not anybody too far away from you either. You should be able to yell now. But anyways, uh, so I do that. I... I have a bungee cord that I keep out or like a carabiner type bungee cord that I wrap the handle around and I tie it to one of the boat cleats so that if I need to, I can run around the boat and make sure I got cameras and whatnot going. I run a GoPro in my my boat all the time. It works out great when you're fishing solo because then I can literally pull, like I can point a GoPro where I'm going to be pulling the fish out of the net. I can have the GoPro running. I can literally hold the fish or in front of the GoPro, release it, and I know that I can pull a stiller off of that, and you can get some cool shots that way too. So if you don't run a GoPro, maybe it's something to consider for solo fishing. You don't even need to run all the time, but at least have one that way. I mean, you can do the timer thing with a camera too, but I find the GoPro to be easy. I, like I said, I just pop it up and hold it out there, and I can fl- flash through 17,000 different frames to get the exact frame that I want. And... Make those 30 inches look solid. I'm always about making those 30s look like 33s. It's fantastic. And so those are a couple little things that I do. As far as like maybe patterning, we could talk about that a little bit too. But is there anything that you're thinking of, you know, maybe a little deeper on solo fishing, Brad? Well, you're basically covering, you know, the stuff that really needs to be done. But if you think about it, if you're not prepared, that's usually when you get a good fish. So... But uh, here's one thing that I would say, and because it's one person casting a structure, slow down your boat movement. And the reason you're going to do that is definitely make sure you're picking things apart, especially when you're in a big matted weed area where those fish might not be completely in tune with your bait. Now, you can also speed up and just boom, 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 cast, 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 and look for that one active fish. But when things are a little tougher, slow down your boat, slow down that presentation, not only with your casting, what I'm talking about is the boat control itself so that you make sure you beat that structure up, if you will. 
And Jeff, you got anything to add to this conversation? I mean, it's kind of getting comfortable with your own boat. I guess, uh, you know, when I look at when I go out by myself, I, I put my camera in a tripod. I do do the timer. The GoPros are nice too, but I just don't usually remember to have it running and to get it out, get it turned on. I just, I've got a better system with the tripod. Um, and just those little tiny mini tripods that you can set. Kind of like you said, you know, take a picture, know where you're going to be so that when you do need a picture, everything's already ready to rock. You don't have to worry about, oh, is this in frame? Is it not in frame? Um, the other thing is, you know, I had in my former boat, um, a Lakewood would fit perfect where I could, I could slide the net handle under the handles of the Lakewood and it would hold that net in place. The weight of it would just keep tension on it. So I didn't have to worry about it falling into the water as I'm moving around grabbing, you know, hook cutters or whatever. But it's just kind of, you know, sitting in your boat and thinking about how do I, how do I lay this out or how do I be most efficient with this boat once I do get a fish? And, of course, everything goes to heck. But for the most part, if you're kind of thinking it through ahead of time, it goes off without a hitch. My biggest thing, too, is don't take a million pictures. You know, again, think about how you're going to hold it, frame it. We want to capture the memory, but we also still got to take care of the fish. And I know it's tough when you're alone, but it's even more important when you don't have an extra set of hands to always be thinking about, okay, how long has this fish been out of the water? How long has he had hooks in him? Has he been tied up in the bag? Do I need four pictures? Can I get one, set him in the bag, check it, yep, it's good, send him on its way. So, And that becomes more and more important as the water tents warm up, which looks like we're going to have a heck of a spike here coming up. So. It's almost kind of like practice. Where where do I want the camera? Where do I want this? Where do I want that? And then when it happens, you're just you're in lockstep. It just boom, 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 boom. You're on your way. So barbless hooks aren't really a real popular thing, but for those of you that have had hooks in your hand or arms or wherever and you're alone, that's not a great situation either. I can tell you from fish and pike, the landing percentage on barbless hooks is a way higher than most people think. And you know, the safety factor there is you know, significant. So if you're fishing with baits, I got three hooks in it. You got to be careful and you should make sure that you got the uh, kind of right equipment if something bad does happen, because that's a really crappy feeling when it goes south and you're by yourself. Does anybody have any tips for guys that are trying to net fish solo? Well, I think basically you, you know, there's a couple different things. You can use the gunnel of the boat to kind of balance that net. And for the most part, you're going to use the, the rod to actually control that fish to go into the bag, if you will. And let's talk about how green this fish is. I know I've seen some YouTube videos where these dudes literally hook a muskie at both sides and it's in the net in three seconds. Typically, when you're solo fishing, I'm assuming that's not how that's going down, right, Brad? Well, I mean, in a perfect world, sure. You know, it's one of them deals, but say you get it on a figure eight, well... You're going to have a really spunky fish that that's going to be wanting to fight you like none other, short lined and blah blah blah. But honestly, the most the biggest thing is is we want our fish fresh when they go into the bag, and the reason we do we don't need to wear them all all the way out and basically cause more grief on the fish. So, you know, speed is of an essence is my thought. Typically, it is, but I always seem like if you got a spunky fish, it's it's a little bit tougher to get them into the bag. My, my advice in netting solo is take it as soon as you can, but not too soon where it's going to go tearing off on you. I, I know that's a kind of vague answer, but after you've done it for a while, you kind of know, yeah, I, all right, this one's going to go in 
you know, without too much of an issue, without playing it out too far versus a super hot fish that's really green. Those typically are tougher, but I've said it before for guys that are looking for a decent net for fishing solo. The Booker Joe Frable Joe Booker Conservation Series net is the easiest net for netting solo, but I hate the bag on that net so much that I can't do it. So I use a Drifter XL. Drifter XL solo isn't too bad. Yeah, I'm still a huge fan of the big kahunas, but uh, I don't fish alone, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, that's because you always have friends, Brad. You know, some of us aren't as cool as you. We don't always have friends to go with. In fact, you've got so many friends that you got to get, like, lawn chairs out and picnic tables in your boat in order to house them all. So I don't have that option. Well, you just need a bigger boat, Jeff. Well, I can um, have a bigger what, boat. What, I'm still not going to have any friends in it. The one other thought is the jig ripper grip. If you can put that on your net, that sometimes helps, too. The, the net handle itself is kind of in your armpit. And you're able to hold that net with that jig ripper. It's good that you brought that up. I've actually been meaning to do that for a couple seasons. Still hasn't happened, but maybe this year will be the year. The other thing uh, that I did along with the jig ripper is I, it wasn't a fun noodle or a pool noodle, but it was that same material um, wrapped it around the end of the handle. So that when I had the rod tucked under my arm, I had something I could really pinch down on and keep that net from rolling side to side. Just gave me a little bit more leverage and didn't hurt the ribs as much, but just gave you, you know, much more to squeeze into. So you had a lot of control of that net. Anybody who can fish solo and do it well, like there's just an extra amount of pride that can be taken to get that fish in the bag. People don't understand how, how tough it can be. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's going to go wrong at times. That's the way it goes. We've only got two guys in the boat. It goes wrong, but you know, getting as many things in, in your favor and getting as, most as um as much control of that net as possible so you can control it because that's a ton of drag to pull through the water um if you have to so jig ripper and the pool noodle um those two things definitely did help me as well i think you brought more to the table right there than we did all this podcast brad <laughs> jeff's got that ability that's for sure <laughs> uh how about how about bait selection when you're fishing solo anybody got any tips on that I don't know that it changes that much, you know, honestly. But uh, some of the bigger baits where you've got three hooks on a bait or something like that, whether it be a jerk bait or a crank bait, you're definitely going to have a little bit better odds of hooking it in a bag, trying to get that fish in. So something to be considered of, I guess. But for the most part, I, I wouldn't change what I'm throwing. I mean, if, if things are working and you're out there by yourself, the last thing I want to do is change the bait. You know, you kind of got to stick with the baits that are working. I guess the one question I would have is then, are you going to work less spots more thoroughly multiple times with different baits, or are you particularly going to go, I have eight spots on this lake. I've, I like all eight spots. I'm going to go hit them all, and I'm going to throw a bucktail at all of them. What are, what are you more apt to do, Brad or Jeff? Either one I'm, depends on which one fishes solo more. I'm guessing it's maybe Jeff. It probably is, Jeff. I, I'm going to say one thing, and I'll give him the platform here. But, you know, ultimately, let the fish tell you. So if you've been working some spots, whether you're with your buddies or you're solo, let the fish tell you where to go. I know that sounds kind of generic, but it's the truth. And the other thing that I would say is if you're catching on a certain particular structure, if you know another piece of structure in that body of water that's very similar, definitely check that as well. 
Yeah, and I would say, I mean, it kind of depends on the lake, too. Obviously, if you're fishing a smaller lake, do you burn through it all in four hours, or do you try and pick it apart? I tend to lean on the more pick it apart uh, when I'm fishing solo, just so I'm not wasting time driving from here to there. Uh, the more time your bait's in the water, the more likely you're going to get bit, I guess. You know, and I might, I might speed through kind of marginal areas to get to the next one, uh, but like Brad said, if, you, if you've got something that's working, you know, you want to keep focusing on that. My thing with, with, you know, what bait do you throw? If they're, if they're biting crankbaits, you know, caps and crankbaits are ripping them through the weeds, and, yeah, you're more likely to get them hung up on the net, but at least you got a shot at it. You know, I wouldn't abandon something because you think, well, I might, it might get hung up on the net. Well, anything can always happen. So I find when I fish solo a lot, I do a lot more slow fishing where I am pulling through a lot more weeds, and, you know, it's more work, um, but I'm willing to go through that work. Um, when sometimes, you know, when I'm fishing with one or two other people, uh, I get nervous that they don't love ripping weeds apart. And so, you know, then we do move a little bit faster and just cover ground and maybe do a little bit more uh, easy fishing, so to speak. But when I fish alone, I tend to move slower through spots and really pick them apart. So, Brad, we have another question here on lure color choices for different water colors and conditions. So let's break it down first by, I don't know, how about clear versus dark water okay well if you're looking at clear versus say like a green stain or a, a muddy stain i definitely in the clearer water i generally will say go with a a bait fish type coloring maybe not so bright but now <laughs> that's more so on a cloudier day on a bright sunny day on clear water i would try to maybe go with a little bit brighter colors whether it be a chartreuse, yellow, orange type colors. Now, in the darker stained water, I like to try to go kind of almost matching it. So if it's the brownish colored water, a lot of times I'll, I'll throw an orange or some copper, you know, that brown, almost walleye type colors. That's one of the go-tos for me. How about you, Jeff? You got anything to add to the color conversation? I don't know. As soon as I think I got something figured out, they teach me something else. Um, you know, and we found that with the trolling game where you think it's one thing and all of a sudden the next day it's totally the opposite. And, you know, so I would agree, like some of that tannic water, the darker water, the tea colored stuff, you know, oranges, browns, blacks tend to be what I gravitate towards. You know, the, the more natural stuff, the live series stuff on your clearer water um, does have its place, but... Uh, Green is just a color I've fallen in love with in the last couple of years, and I don't know why. And like a Kelly green or more true green, it's just, it's worked for me. You know, it's a, it's a color, our uh, prism pike is kind of a moss green, and I can catch on that anywhere. It's just a really, really solid color. So, and that kick will probably end for me next year. I don't know. So I, I hate to kind of say, oh, this color is here. Every lake's got its own attitude, and it seems like that attitude's been changing more and more, but... Um, you know, that darker tannic water, again, orange is always good. Um, golds especially have been, been super solid, that foil gold and whatever. Here's, here's kind of a strange twist. So if you think about this, Jeff, any of the guys that are out there that are night fishing, everybody always gravitates to black, black, black nickel, in a, like a bucktail line. One of the things that I can share with you is if you have any light pollution from the shorelines or possibly a sliver of the moon, that's just kind of shining over that water. Look at your pinks and your chartreuses that 
it definitely will make a, a big difference. You can actually see the bait sometimes in the water, depending on how much light pollution there is. And I definitely believe that the fish can see it. So a little bit of a twist in it too. I will agree with a lot of what you guys just said there. I know there was a lake that I fished a night. I night fished. Uh, there was a point in time where I went, I night fished enough, not like all through the night, like Brad would do back in the Mille Lacs days, but I'd fish at night. And like Brad had just talked about, you know, your pinks and chartreuses. I always used color blades at night. Uh, you know, a lot of people will do black, black, and then it's not wrong, but I would just use color blades at night. It seemed to work well. And then, um, like Jeff was stalking for the dark stained waters, I would always go with coppers, golds, black, orange. Those all tend to work well. Yellow works well. I know the one color on a, on a dark body water that I like that Phantom makes, and the reason I had Phantom make it is because I did well on it. It's that heat wave pattern, Jeff. That thing is fantastic on bright, sunny days on dark water. That heat wave is, it'll crush them. Yeah, that's, we got a lot of guys that fish early season pike with that color, and it, I don't know what it is. That yellow, like just a canary yellow or a mustard yellow is another color that um, I threw a ton when I was younger and it kind of went away and I'm really gravitating back to it. And so I don't know if there's just enough of that yellow on that heat wave with the prism and the orange belly or what, but that's one of, that's a really, really good pipe color for us early, early in the year. I can say this too, in the last, um, couple days here doing the open water trolling for me, I literally picked some baits that I wouldn't normally go to. I basically gravitated to some a lot of blacks, and today we caught, what, what did you call it? Some guys call it candy corn. Candy corn. I, we call it hothead, or some guys call it Halloween. It's basically an orange head, fades into yellow, and then a solid black body. But in the last three, four days, I mean, I can't even remember. It's put four or five fish in the boat in the last three, four days. So kind of something that I wouldn't normally run in the open water, but the, the old hex, candy corn, or hothead, definitely did it for us all right boys well we're uh we're gonna be pushing 11 o'clock here sooner than later so uh, i don't know not quite not quite in that in that range but anyways i gotta get up and go to work tomorrow so jeff we want to thank you for spending some time coming out with us and talking fishing i know brad and i pretty much robbed you of most of your opportunities to talk but that's what we do but anyways i know you could have been hanging out with your little your little friends there but instead you decided to do the responsible thing and come talk fishing with us, and we appreciate that. We should really think about, though, um, maybe in the next couple days, getting our act together. Although I think so. Did Brad, did Carrie send you a text about who we thought we, we were maybe going to try to talk to next week? Yeah, she did. And, you know, the crazy part there is it could be two people in that call, too, if we wanted to, which so choose to. Okay. Well, we probably could do that. It might be entertaining if we did. So father-son team. Yes. Um, <laughs> so who knows? We'll see where that kind of goes. But, yeah, let's get Kerry working on that. Uh, my time is going to free up just a little bit here now this next week. So with the 4th of July coming and so on and so forth, we could probably get it recorded a little bit early if you want to, Jeff. So we'll figure it out. Sounds good. You mean father-son team like me and Zach are going to talk, right? I'll get my six-year-old out there, and him and I will have a conversation with you and Mika and Muskies. 
We should do that once. It <laughs> might be uh, might be an idea. I'll bring my daughter, Alexa. She at least fishes. Zach's not going to bring much to the table. Well, that's the problem. He should be fishing with you. He'd probably tell you about his injured finger, though. Come on. And- Mika caught fish at five. He's already six, Jeff. Come on. I know. You're a much better fisherman than me. I can't get my kids on fish when they're at five, all right? So that's just all there is to it. I mean, we already know you're better. You don't need to rub it in. I wasn't going there. I'm just <laughs> telling you, you got to plant the seed early. Yeah, I don't think he's ready to go out on the boat yet. I think Mika was a little bit more special than as far as patience goes. She must get that from her mom. Yeah, um, no comment. <laughs> All right. Well, with that said, thanks, everybody, for listening to an episode of Backlash Podcast. We, uh, as per as per lately, I wouldn't give this one an A plus by any means, so we'll give it a C again this week. But we'll come back with some A work here really soon. So until we do, we appreciate you all. You know, I would say putting up with us and and spending an hour with us, listening to us ramble about muskies. So thanks again, and we will see everybody again next week. Have a nice Fourth of July. Sounds really good, Jeff. I appreciate your time, and thanks to everybody for listening. See you, Jeff. Take care, bud. You bet. Good luck.